Okay, I've got an additional reading then uh, from Romans chapter 6. So I'm going to read verses 1 to 14 of Romans chapter 6. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead, through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. If we have been united with him in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him, so that the body of sin might be rendered powerless, that we should no longer be slaves to sin, because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and offer the parts of your body to him as instruments of righteousness, Sin shall not be your master, because you are not under law, but under grace. So I pray, and then we'll have a look um, at this passage together. Lord Jesus, we just want to thank you uh, for your word to us now, and pray that you would speak powerfully. Please give me uh, <coughs> wisdom and, and help um, in, in preaching this today. Uh, please, uh, yeah, help us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Gav, Gav, oh, it's back. Yeah. We are. Oh, cool. It's a bit of a nightmare, this sort of stuff. keeps dropping out. Um, it's not Gav. Um, don't worry. Um, awesome. Okay, where's our title screen? Yeah, here it is. Hey, for the newbies uh, who arrived today, this is our theme. It's called A Better Story. And we're encouraging you to let Jesus tell it. Um, and so we're looking at the stories that we tell ourselves. Uh, there is, um, uh, yeah, well, I guess we assert him in becoming the storyteller. Um, and we will tell ourselves different stories. And those different stories have massive consequences for life. Uh, so the story we tell ourselves absolutely, absolutely shapes our life together. So we saw yesterday that it's a better story that the thorn in your side is meant to be there. Uh, that was quite a good little... Uh, sentence that because when I said it I saw a few of you go <laughs> I haven't got one like that today <laughs> uh, but yesterday it was a bit like that of like what yeah and that's quite maybe quite difficult I obviously didn't go much into like how you know no one is looking at you going me it's just a thorn in the flesh you know just chill it's not not that's not the, the attitude yesterday it, it's that in our thinking about it, we go, no, instead of telling myself the story of, uh, I need to get out of this, I need this to change, I need to be rescued from this, 
Instead of telling yourself that your, your weariness, your unrest, your discontent with life is down to this thing, and telling yourself the story of like, no, it's the circumstance I need to be rescued from, then that, that kind of story is not the one to tell yourself. It is not the one. No, the story to tell yourself is that the thorn in my side is meant to be there. A better story is to tell yourself that Jesus' power is made perfect in your weakness. In your weakness. And that there's a better story to tell yourself that he has all the help you need for today. Yeah, that's the story that's got to replace the other one. Right, so yesterday was telling you about that. You know, the circumstance is not your problem. So this morning is gonna, I'm going to tell you what is your problem. What is your problem? And so the, maybe the title for this one, not as pithy, but it's a better story that your biggest problem is sin and unbelief. Yeah, that's it. The story you need to tell yourself is not circumstance is a problem, but my sin and unbelief is a problem. It is a big problem. And, you know, we've, we've uh, heard the Christian E sermon from Sam on it on forgiveness. And it was so cool, isn't it, to think of what Jesus has done for us. You know, we've, we've trusted in Christ um, for our salvation. And he has washed all of our sin away. And there's this big sort of stamp on us, isn't it? Divorced from sin. Yeah, we're divorced from sin. But Sam didn't go any further than that. And you might have been left with this question of like, that sounds amazing, but actually doesn't match up with my experience. Um, and so this is what really today is about. Yeah, so that you've been divorced from your sin. Jesus has forgiven you. It has been hurled away. It's been drowned in your baptism. I love the picture of baptism, isn't it? It's been drowned in that water. And it's been nailed to the cross. But the old man is still present and very much alive. He's still there. And he has a habit of believing that you're not divorced. Yeah. So it's like living with an ex-partner. Yeah. I, I guess you see some of these programs, isn't there, like where uh, a couple break up, but one of them struggles to accept it and kind of stalks the other one. Uh, the other one kind of wants to go on with another relationship, but is hounded in one sense by the other one, uh, chasing after, you know, like every time he walks out of his house, like, oh, there she is, or, or there, there he is, um, always there on Facebook, and you know, all that sort of stuff. But then there's other times where, in weakness, that the person who's stalking is there and, and there's, a, there's a going to, isn't it? It's those both things. And that's really what is in contention this morning. That he, the old man, the old person in you, doesn't quite get that it's over. Um, he thinks that nothing has changed and refuses to believe that you're divorced. And so, the better story is to tell yourself that all of your problems, so the weariness that you feel, the unrest, the despair, the fear of condemnation, the lack of contentment, is to do with our sin and our unbelief. And that's what's in the Hebrews passage, wasn't it? Did you clock that? So it says, Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. There it is. What is your weariness down to? What is your discontent down to? What is your fears down to? Your anxiety, what are they down to? It's not your circumstance. 
It's not if this would change, then it would be okay. If only this would change, I would be alright. The fear would be gone. No, it's not down to circumstance. Don't tell yourself that story. No, there's a thorn in your flesh that's meant to be there that reminds you it's not about the circumstance. It's about our sin and unbelief. So we're given two pictures here. Two pictures in these two readings. The first one is a race, and the second one is a relationship, a master to slave. First, first picture then, which will help us get this story right, that will tell us our story. The story you tell yourself is that the problem is with me, with my sin and unbelief. And so this race. Now you're supposed to think of this race not like an athletics race. It's like an athletics race. It looks really boring, doesn't it? Uh, what, what, what sites have they got to look at? Well, it's just a, a red floor. Um, and they've got to make sure they keep in their lane and that sort of thing. But they just run around in circles. I mean, your Christian life might look a bit like that, right? Uh, going around in circles. But, but the race here in Hebrews 12 is best thought of as like a cross-country race. Yeah? So where uh, you haven't got a stick in between two lines, but there is a, a, a availability to move, you know, and not get disqualified. It's not a race like this, but the first one past the line wins. No, this kind of race is, you just go across the line. You've got to cross the line to finish. Yeah, you win by finishing the race. It's not just one person, one winner. No, the winner is if you finish the race. And it's a great, great picture this way, because if you're going to run from here, like across over to those mountains, you look out there and you go, flip me, there's a river to negotiate out there. There's hedges, there's gates, there's stiles, uh, there's probably mud flats and, and all sorts of things that I think of running over the mountains. And that's how you're supposed to think of this race in the Christian life. Is that you're running, running cross country. Yeah, so what, what are you going to meet? Well, there could be ditches along the way. Plenty of opportunity for you to step on a route and twist your ankle if you're not looking where you're going. And it, that, that's the kind of race. There's ditches, there's obstacles to overcome. Uh, there's, there's hills to really like have to dig in deep, isn't it, and push through. There are, there are valleys that you have to descend, which although you pick up a lot of speed, it's very hard then not to, to run away, or your legs to run away from you, or your body to overtake it, and down you go. You know, that, that's such a better picture, isn't it, of the Christian life. But remember that you haven't been entered into this race of your own accord, that Jesus has entered you into it. By saving you, he has entered you into this race. And the amazing thing with this race, uh, which is uh, much more incredible than any other race, is that it's a bit like, you know the rally drivers? You remember Colin McRae? That was like the big game when I was younger. And it was like, he had a Subaru Impreza, which was just amazing. It was like a lovely blue with gold wheels, and he was flying around the countryside. And as you drive around the lanes here, Always, my mind goes to, I want to be Colin McRae. <laughs> it's nice driving at night because it means you can take lane, you, you, you can position yourself in the road because you're like, now there's nothing coming. Uh, there might be a person walking, but there's nothing coming ahead of me. Um, and so, with the rally driving, what is really cool is that they get to have a look at the race before starting it. So they drive around it, and they've got like a co-pilot. Uh, and the guy next door has got a clipboard and some paper. And he's got the route mapped out. And then he's, he makes these little marks about the degree of the angles that he's going to uh, need to take and the speed at which he can take this corner. It's quite incredible. Um, really, really tactical. 
And so he's looking at this bend. Now you, you've got to hit this. You've got to drop the box right now, um, and you've got to hit this at like 20. Otherwise, we're going to going to end up in the woods. And so we take that corner and this corner, um, and that's how the race is planned out. And that's what's amazing with the Christian race, right? Is because we're surrounded by this cloud of witnesses. In chapter 11, you've got these witnesses who are going to uh, run the race before us. So we can look at their lives and go, how is it they overcame that obstacle? How did they get up that hill? How did they get out of that valley? How did they descend that valley? And did they finish the race? How did they do it? We, we get to do that. But more than that, we've got Jesus who has gone before us. So you've got this chapter 11 of all of the heroes, isn't it, that we think about? But then chapter 12 goes, yeah, you, you've got them. But consider him. Now consider him. Because as you look at Jesus, he has entered you into the race. But he has also run the race. Jesus lived by faith. He lived by faith. Does that shock you? He prayed like we pray. He didn't see the Father. He heard the Father's voice, as did the disciples, right? This is my Son, whom I love, with him I well please. But he didn't see him physically. He's down here, it's like there's a lot of distance. He's on plan B and praying like we're on plan B. He lived by faith. He spoke to the Father, he read the scriptures. That's probably one of the main ways, right, in which you run the race. You be in his word and you be talking to him. He didn't run it alone, he had his disciples, he went to church, he went to the synagogue every Saturday. That's how you run the race. You got Jesus looking and here Hebrews tells us what's the issue with the race? What's the issue with the you're gonna look at this race and you're gonna lose heart? You're gonna become weary. The weary word is that uh, it's like a slow stop weariness. Fainting is quite sudden. Fainting is like you're running and he's down. He's out for the count. But the weariness is like, oh my days. It's, it's what you say to yourself in the gym, isn't it? It's like, I think I've done enough now. Yeah. <laughs> I think I've done enough. I think I should go home. I think I can, I can, I can wangle this with the missus. <laughs> I think I can justify my monthly payment. It's that sort of stuff. And that's weariness. Is that you're looking at this going, I don't know if I can get up here. I don't know if I can go through. And your, your, your run becomes a jog. Your jog becomes a walk. And your walk becomes a stop. And then you're sitting in the once a day. So he's just chilling um, with the Mackie D's or something. That, that's, that's the weariness of the race. But here it tells you that, no, that there's a problem. There's a problem in you getting weary. And it's not the hardness of the race. How much are we, you know, we want to tell ourselves that story, isn't it? The reason why I'm struggling is because it's hard. I think hard is a word that quickly comes out of our mind. How has your week been? That's been really hard. How is uh, this going? It's really hard. It's really hard. It's really hard. But the problem with the race is not so much that it's hard. It's that there's sin that entangles us. That's what Hebrews 12 gets off, you know, starts off on. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. 
You see, the weariness and the losing of, the, of your heart, the losing of your zeal, the losing of your stickability, the losing of your enthusiasm for Jesus and for running the race. Where does that happen? What does that happen? Where does that come from? It comes from the sin that entangles us. It's sin. It's like someone trying to run with a toga on. Or trying to run with the African thing I had on yesterday. It looks amazing. I love it. I, I want one. Because <laughs> it, it totally gets rid of all the bumps. <laughs> I, I, I really want one. Uh, and so, I don't, you don't see people, you know, the Nigerian team colours and team kit is not one of those. You know, it's slimmed right down, isn't it? Funky coloured socks, but it's slimmed right down. When they did the games, isn't it, when Paul, if he did write Hebrews, if, you know, when the writers write in here, what, what's going on? You see people at the track, and you don't see them stretching like this. You see them undressing. You see them stripping down. They did the games naked. It's like, I want to win. Right, I'm going to get naked. That's, that's how you win. Now, it's like, you know, we'll wear clothes and really tight-fitting clothes, isn't it? The lycra comes in. But what do they do now to get the edge? What do they do? Well, you know, the Chris Hoy got, isn't it, putting shin pads on that are, uh, you know, that are angled right just to cut down just a little, little, little bit of drag. They shave their arms, they shave their chests, the swimmers, don't they? they there's not a hair on them. They get rid of everything that could tangle them up. Anything that just would have a bit of resistance. And for that, it's our sin. Our sin entangles us. Our desires after other things that are not Jesus. And we get muck, muck around with them. We see the X and we're all drawn to him, aren't we? We're drawn to him and what he used to live for. And what he stands for. The wickedness, the sinfulness, the, the pleasure that we get on the, on the slide. That is what entangles us. And there's other things, aren't there? There are other things that are not sinful, but are just not good. They, they dampen our zeal, they, they cripple our faith, the things that we, you know, if we just waste our time doing something, say, I'm oh, not, not sinning, but, but it is taken away from your life as a Christian, rather than adding to it. Does it make you love God and love your neighbor as yourself? If not, boot it! Get rid of it! It's not about loving God and loving your neighbor as yourself. Those two things should be the filter then through which you do everything. If it's not going to help with that, then I'm just going to chuck it out. Yeah, that's, that's the story you can tell yourself about, about how it is that you know the weariness and the weakness of heart. The story you can tell yourself is like, it's about my sin. It's about my unbelief in Jesus. Let's move on into the other picture. The other picture that we have um, is, let me tell you the story that Stuart Hoyt uh, tells in his Romans commentary. So I've heard this from him in person because I was in some lectures that he did on Romans. Um, he tells a, a fabulous story. So let me tell you the story. So you've got the race as one picture. Let's strip off. Let's be determined to run, determined to finish. Let's fix our eyes on Jesus to run this race. Let's fix our eyes on him. That's where the belief comes in, isn't it? Yeah, fix your eyes on him who's run before you. Don't expect a race which is like a track, just flat. 
Don't expect that kind of race, because when you fix your eyes on Jesus and look at him, his life was like this, wasn't it? It was full of peaks and troughs. Peaks ways you're the Father, declare that he's a son from heaven, and then he's in the garden praying for the thorn in his side three times. And three times the answer came back, no. No, you're going to have to go through it, my son. So fix your eyes on him. It's not going to be plain sailing. Strip for, strip for action. Be determined. Um, and get on it. Looking only to Jesus. That's the first, uh, first picture. The second picture, then, is the master and the slave. Listen to Stuart Elliott's story. I want to imagine a slave who was kept a prisoner. Oh, no. This is not nice, isn't it? He is kept in a prisoner, as a prisoner in a castle, that he cannot escape. His master is a bully and a tyrant. A bad man. This master invades this man's life, day after day, hour after hour, minute by minute. He exploits him and makes him labor and groan and weep. This man gets discouraged and he's miserable. He's despairing and distressed. He wants to get out of the castle, but he can't. But then one day, he spots a ladder on the floor. A ladder with ten steps. He looks at the wall, looks at the ladder thinking, hey, oh, I think this will do it. He puts the ladder up against the wall and starts to descend the ladder when the master sees him. He sees him climbing his ladder. So he's up you know, on number eight and he's going for it. So the master breaks off the first run and throws it at him and smacks him in the back, causes him to slip down the ladder a bit. Then he pulls off another run and then he beats him until he drops to the floor and then he beats him some more within an inch of his life. <coughs> Nearby there is a king, a great king and a loving king who loves this poor prisoner. He's also a wise king who has planned a marvellous way. Now, you wouldn't have come up with a plan like this. But a truly marvellous way to release this man from his tyranny. <coughs> Stuart Oliver tells it says, I won't go into details, but this king kills the slave by crucifixion. <laughs> Just drop that in there. Um, along comes the tyrant, sees this body of a man on the floor, and thinks he's just been a lazy toe rag like usual. So gives him a few boots like this. Get up on your feet. He comes and then starts to, he's not moving, so his tirade empties itself onto him. His bullying tactics are all drawn on. He's demanding, but yet he can't do a thing because his prisoner is actually dead. That old relationship, slave to master, master to slave, is now over. It's now over. There is just a corpse. So the man just leaves him, but the king buries the slave. Buries him. And then the next day, maybe the day after that, the day after that, the third day, maybe the third day, he comes along and he raises this prisoner from the dead and takes the prisoner home. How cool is that story, right? Yeah? So that's not giving you the story of what Jesus has done, per se. 
It's now asking the question of the prisoners. What is the prisoner's life like? What, how does the prisoner feel now? There's a song we're going to sing after this, and there's a verse that says this. Blessed are the eyes that see him. Blessed the ears that hear his voice. Blessed are the souls that trust him, and in him alone rejoice. And it's got this little phrase, his commandments, his commandments, his commandments then become their happy choice. How does the slave live now that that has happened to him? How does the slave live? Well, the slave is overjoyed, right? He is over the moon. He is rejoicing, and who is he rejoicing in? The one who has saved him. And the one who has saved him. The one who killed him, but then raised him from the dead. What does he spend his life doing? He spends his life in loving, grateful service to a new master. A new master. That's how he spends his time. That is how we should be spending our life, right? That's what Romans 6 is. Is that we see that we are dead to sin. That is the story you should tell yourself. No, I am dead to sin. We have been divorced. Jesus filed the papers. Jesus signed the papers. We are divorced from our sin. And Romans 6 will tell you that. Will tell you that now that sin, um, you know, now that you've died to sin, sin no longer has mastery over you. No longer mastery. So one day, the ex-prisoner, now free man, goes to the market on an errand from the king. And there, he bumps into the old master. The old master is a bit shocked, to say the least. But the old master, in well-plowed ground, gets in on it, going, starts ordering him around. Starts bossing him around, saying, now you do this. Now you come with me, we're off to do this. No, don't you talk to me like that. You know your place. And the prisoner kind of freezes. Now this is where the story really needs to take off, doesn't it? Now you're going to have to take a moment here, because you're going to bump into this old man a lot of the time. Yeah, you can't avoid him. But when you meet him, you've got to be careful. Take note of where you meet him. Because maybe some of the places where you meet him, you ought not to be. Yeah, someone uh, put David up there, wasn't it? When David should have been at war, he was on his rooftop, chilling. Yeah, so there's places you're going to meet him, and maybe some other places you shouldn't be. But you're going to meet him in places where you are and should be, right? In church life. <laughs> in church on Sunday. No, you're going to meet him there. You're going to meet him in your family. You're going to meet him at work. You're going to meet him in school. You're going to meet him at uni. You're going to meet him everywhere. Now, there's something you've got to have in your mind when you meet him. There's a story that you're going to have to then get straight on. Because the story from him will be, No, you're my slave. I'm your master. Now get to it. That's the story that he is going to tell you. But you've got to go, No, 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 no. Shut up. That is not my story. No, the story I need to tell myself is about Christ. That in him, I am linked to him. I am united to him. The story of union with Christ is the story you tell yourself. I am united with Christ. He has embraced me. 
He has got a hold on me. And he took me with him. Took you with him where? He took me to the cross. That's where he took me. I died with Christ. And where else did he take you? He took me into the ground. I have been buried with Christ. Then where did he take you? Well, he took me out of the grave. He made me alive to God. That's what he did. He's resurrected me. He's given me a new life. Because he's got a new life. And then why did he take you? Well, he ascended to heaven and took me with him. And then what did he do? Well, he sat down and now I'm seated in heavenly places with him. That's the story you've got to tell, is that you're united with Christ. And because you died with him, you died to sin. He has no more to do with sin, Jesus. It was all piled on him. He paid for it. And now he is free from it. It does not have mastery over him. It does not have mastery over you. That's the story you've got to tell yourself. Your mind has got to be full of that story, the story of his death. That's why the kids have got colouring today where there's a, you know, that sort of uh, balloon that's the thought balloon. What's supposed to be in your mind? That's why there's a cross on their sheet with a heart on it. That's why there are three crosses on that hill of Calvary. That's why there's a, a picture of the tomb with a stone rolled away. That's why there's a picture of Jesus uh, shining brightly in his new life, radiant. That is what must fix in your mind. That's the story you've got to tell yourself. Otherwise, you're out of the race. You're out. You're weary, you've stopped, and you've lost heart. You have fallen short of the grace. That's what Hebrew says. Of the help that could be yours, you just, you're, you're tapping out. Now, this is the story you've got to get on. The story of union with Christ. Yeah, that he has done all of it. He died. And you died with him. He was buried and you were buried with him. He was raised, you were raised with him. He has ascended, you've ascended with him. He sat down, you were sat in heavenly realms. That's the story. Jesus died and took your penalty for your sin. That's 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 a yes. But it didn't stop there. Is that you died with him. Yeah? He died and we look at him and go, he died for my sin, praise the Lord. But when you see that cross, you've got to remember that baptism you went through. You've got to remember that, that no, no, what happened to him actually happened to me. And now running the race, that determination that you must have to run, that digging deep that you must dig uh, in order to get through the race, all that sort of effort is translated into this effort of telling yourself this story. That's the effort that you need to be applying here. The effort of telling you this story and believing it. Yeah, if Jesus says it, then I believe it. That's a Lutheran rapper that is called Flame. Uh, he, he says, if Christ said it, I believe it. And that is, that is it. Yeah, that's it. If he has said it, you believe it. If he said it, you repeat it. If he said it, you tell yourself it. And you believe it. And you believe it. So, problem in your life is not your circumstances. It's just sin and unbelief. Don't tell yourself a story that I can't do anything about my sin and unbelief. 
That is not the story. I can't do nothing about it. It's just the way that I am. It's just these, the, the, the other story just comes and I can't do anything about it. No, that is not the story. That's a bunch of lies, that is. That's a bunch of lies. The story you tell yourself is, no, I have died with Christ. And actually, he talks to me as if I can. He says to take away the sin that entangles me. He said, no, I must make every effort to get away from this. To leave it behind. It's the old life. And to walk in the newness of life. Don't tell yourself the story that you can't do nothing about this. Don't believe the, the lies that you can't do nothing about your weariness and your zeal disappearing um, and your fears. Don't believe that lie. That's not the story. The story to tell yourself is that He, He is the one who divorce you from your sin. And you don't have to live in it any longer. That's the story you tell yourself. That when he died, you died. Remember your baptism. Remember what he's done with your sin. He's drowned in. What he's done in raising you to new life. And what he's given you to sustain you, isn't it? That what we talked about yesterday, the, the engine that gets you off the ground is the one that keeps you in the air. And the one that brings you onto the runway safely. The one who entered you into the race sits with you in the race. He's given you everything that you need, isn't it, for life and godliness. He's with you in it, and then we'll see you over the line. Tell yourself this story. Believe this story. Let that story shape your life. Let that one be the one that shapes your life. So I pray. Lord Jesus, please help us. We all us feel that powerless uh, to do anything about stuff like this. And, and we believe that story that says that we are still under... Uh, we're, yeah, we're still with and involved in the old man. Help us with this different story here. We are divorced from the old man. We are, it's over. Our relationship is over. Help us just to fix our eyes on you and to love serving you and helping you. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.